Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello, and welcome back to the show. This is episode 618, and today I'm really excited to have here with me my good friend, Kim Feeney. Kim is a licensed independent social worker and a registered play therapist supervisor. She has over 10 years of experience helping children and families lead healthier emotional lives. Believing all behavior is purpose-driven, she works with parents and children to find alternative ways to meet social and behavioral needs. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you about play therapy today. (laughs) One of my passions. (laughs) Yes. So how is it that you use play to help kids? And what is it that you help them with? What are the range of different things? Sure. Play therapy is using expressive materials, whether it be the dollhouse or art or books or sand or whatever expressive toys and materials to help kids play out their emotional and behavioral needs and problems. Kids don't have the developmental Um, language capacity that we do as adults. Their brain just hasn't developed all those neural networks and capabilities. So their language, their communication naturally is play. It's what kids do. So through the relationship with the therapist and that trust and that safe space, they can use the toys to then play out what they need developmentally and emotionally. And we just, we call it play therapy and the kids love it. And they, they get a lot out of it. And we help with a wide range of issues from your traditional mental health stuff, your depression, anxiety, ADHD, to your transitional stuff like divorce or moving or a new school. And then just like grief and loss or um, adjustment things that are happening with the kids. Anything that's going on that the kids might just have a little hiccup and need some support with. So I am familiar with the way, uh, the way that kids can process and uh, deal with things through playing with dolls or you know acting out things with uh, animal stuffed animals or little characters or something like that, and it's I, it's fascinating to watch kids kind of be able to act out something that's happened to them. And when they can't explain it with words, like you're saying, but they can act it out with the characters that they're holding in their hands. So I find that really fascinating. What other ways do you 
do you, what other things do you do? Like, do you use Play-Doh? What kinds of things do you use? I mean, like you're saying, storytelling and metaphor is so powerful with kids. It kind of depersonalizes the situation. Um, It makes it, Mm -hmm. they get to take a step back and just say, you know, this is happening or how would someone else go through this? And like I said, we use art materials. Like I'll I'll say, um, let's, what shape is your sadness? What color is your sadness? We make it a little bit more concrete for them. Um, We will use like the sand, just number one for a regulation activity, just picking up the sand and having it go through our fingers while we're breathing. Um, But we also use it to like put figures in and miniatures and act out the story. Um, Like I said, the dollhouse, we'll do puppet shows. Again, Play-Doh, where we'll, again, make it more concrete. What color is your feeling? Or what do you need to help you through your feeling? Um, It's all based on, again, that relationship between the therapist and the child, um, you know, and them being able to feel safe enough to process those feelings. The The toys and the method of processing it isn't the important part while all the tools and bells and whistles are wonderful it's really that relationship that allows the kid to process their feelings Mm, beautiful so what kind of age group do you find is the most benefited from different forms of play therapy yeah play therapy play therapy can be used across the lifespan um i start i mean i got a certain type of play therapy called TheraPlay that you can use with infants and parents to work on attachment Um, all the way up, like I said, to teenagers, adults. I would say the majority of my clients would fall into like that three to 10 range. Mm -hmm. But we do obviously, like I said, go outside of that as well. So can you give me and share with my listeners uh, a story about a particular client who comes to mind that really benefited or had a breakthrough or something from play therapy? Absolutely. There was was a child. His name was Jack. Well, obviously not his real name, but we're going to call him Jack. We're going to call him Jack. For purposes of this demonstration. And he was three. He had been kicked out of two preschools and was kind of teetering on the edge of a third those aggressive tendencies, those big emotions would just overwhelm him. He would be impulsive. He would hit, he would kick, scream, yell. Um, At home, things weren't much better than at school. He would name call. A lot of his aggression was towards his mom. So his mom was feeling like a complete and utter failure. She didn't know what to do. Dad was kind of in the same boat and didn't know how to support really either one of them because they were both dealing with this emotional struggle. Um, So Jack came to me. And through play therapy, as well as working with the parents, because, you know, if you think of a year, 365 days, and how many times a parent interacts with their child, that's, you know, a million possibilities. Whereas I get like 45 minutes a week with a child, the, the, you know, the odds are just in the favor that the parents are going to make that much more of an impact and an impression on the child. So with my parent work with the parents as well and giving them strategies they can implement in their home, such as co-regulation, breathing with the child, reflecting feelings, just naming the feeling for the child. Because like I said, they don't have that cognitive ability that we do. So just naming the feeling to tame it. You know, kids don't know what's going on and they need to put words to things. 
that just helps. So giving the parents those strategies they can implement in the home, along with the skills, teaching Jack the skills in the play therapy session, he was able to transform to stay in school, um, to grow up and you know be involved, to start making friends. Mom said they could play games at home and interact and have fun and dinners were peaceful. She could go to Target and not have a meltdown in the middle of aisle six. Uh, I mean, things just, their, their family, I mean, nothing was perfect. You know, kids are going to have tantrums. That's just yes. normal. They're going to want things. You're going to have to say no. Um, but just the transformation and the change for this family was immense. That's so exciting. So how long did you work with little Jack? I worked with Jack. I, um, let's see. It was about four months. So 16 weeks or so. That's not Just bad at all. Session. No. And with kids, because their brains are kind of like that sponge, they just soak things up. They are going to learn these skills rather quickly. And again, with that implementation of not just weekly sessions, but the support at home. And I, I also have done consultation with teachers. So like with Jack, I had a phone call or a Zoom call with his teacher at the preschool. So she could also implement those same skills. So it's kind of like wraparound and he's immersed in all these social, emotional skills and techniques that he almost can't escape it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's really, that's such a great story. I love that. Yeah. So you kind of touched on this uh, when you were telling the story about Jack, but uh, I'm wondering how much you involve the parents in the play therapy. And the reason that I'm asking is because when my daughter, my daughter went to occupational therapy when she was young, uh, she was a toddler. And the first couple within the first couple of visits that I had with the, with her and the therapist I would sit there with them and I'd ask all kinds of questions why are you doing this what is this attempting to help what can I what should I look for at home how much should I do at home etc cetera, etc cetera. and I said to her after a few weeks you know it kind of seems like I almost look at occupational therapy like like a college class for me because we're only here for an hour a week, but then I have to go home with my daughter seven days of the week. So it almost feels like this hour is more for me than it is for her because I have to learn everything I should be doing at home. And I remember the OT saying that's a really good observation because it that's what we that's what we hope is going to happen. So how Absolutely. do you how do you yeah. do that with play therapy? I mean, parents are, I try to involve parents in so many ways. I know every therapist does it differently, but um, from the beginning, uh, the intake session, I try to have just the parents just because I don't want the kids sitting there and hearing this laundry list of problems and concerns that the parents mm -hmm. have. It just, it weighs down kids and they, mm -hmm. they feel defeated. And I want them to go into this process feeling empowered and that they can make change and optimistic. Um, and I always try to go from a strengths-based perspective. Like, um, like I said, we have that intake and I gather all the background information, the insurance information, all that necessary stuff. Mm -hmm. But then that first session with the kid, I always want to meet with the parents for the first couple minutes and say, what went well this week? Have mom and dad tell me, have the kids tell me. And then what's maybe one thing that you would change, would have changed 
Um, so again, we want more positives than negatives because we're in society, like everything is negative, negative, negative. And we need oh, like yeah. three to five positives to outweigh just that one negative. Right. So I figure even in that first few minutes, if I can give me three things that went well and one thing you would change, you know, we're going for that balance or not balance, but to tip the scales to the positive side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll meet with the parents again, like that first five minutes. And then I'll meet with the kids for our 30 minute session. And then the last like 10 minutes, I'll have the kids go out and tell the parents what we worked on, what the skill was, um, whether it was a breathing technique, which usually is what I start with in the beginning, just because it's easy and we always have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll go out and we'll have the kid and I together will model that for the parents. So I can say to the parents, this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to three times a day practice this breathing technique with your kids. Because when we learn these skills, the kids need to learn them when they're regulated. They can't practice it when they're in an unregulated state because their brain just is in fight or flight mode and they're not going to access that stuff right away. We need to practice it, get that muscle memory going when we're calm and regulated, and then they can start to use the skills Mm -hmm. when they're dysregulated. And then every... I would say four to five sessions, I will have just a parent session um, where the parents will come in and they can tell me all the things that are going on, where they're seeing progress, where we need to like amp up our skills. Um, yeah. What, what is going on? And then, like I said, I will also call the school if the parents allow and work with them as well. And I try to do that every four to five weeks just to say, Hey, what's going on? Where can we, um, improve things? Where are we seeing progress? Because again, that's, those are the people that have the the answers. I don't get to see everyday life. I don't have a, a window or a camera into the child's life. Right. I learn what's going on from that parent and teacher report. That is so true. Yeah. I love and, the way that you work with the family, you incorporate the parents into it. And then depending on the age of the child, like I said, there's some play therapy methods that, you know, it is that infant parent working on the attachment together, or I'll have a parent sit in on a session, especially if they're really curious and they want to know what's going on mm-hmm. and they want to learn the techniques, mm-hmm. um, how they can implement even more at home. So I'll have them observe a session or sit in and, you know, there's so many other ways we can incorporate parent involvement. And I really love the way you start each session. I think that, I think that language is really powerful. And uh, my daughter rolls her eyes at me sometimes when we're talking because she'll, she, sometimes she'll say something and I'll say, actually, how about if we say it like this? And she'll say, mom. But I think it's really, really important that we're careful with the words we choose because the words really help to create our reality. And so I love that you say, what are three things that went well and one thing you would change? So you don't say what are three things that went well and one thing that went poorly or one thing that went badly. You just say one thing that we, that you'd like to change. And I think that's really empowering the way you say that. I agree. It's all about their, their perspective and how it's framed and how they understand things. That's really, really awesome. Mm -hmm. So for parents who are listening and these, the, the parents, my, my listeners 
have kids of all ages from very, very young newborns all the way up to teenagers and college students and everything in between. So this might be a broad question to ask you, but if parents are looking to um, just have healthier relationships with their kids, make better connections, not to necessarily resolve any specific issues, but if they're just listening to this and they're thinking, hmm, how can I incorporate some more fun into my interactions with my child and just bond a little bit more and just have a healthier connection with them? What would you recommend that parents could do at home if they're inspired by this episode? Absolutely. Um, Reflecting feelings is a huge one because it validates the feelings for the child. Uh, If you see your child disappointed or sad or angry, just say, hey, you're feeling angry right now. And maybe ask them, how can I support you? Or what do you need from me? Again, it's all about that relationship. And um, I do believe that all behavior is there's a goal or a purpose or there's a need we're striving to meet. And if you ask the kid, you know, what do you need or what can I help you with or, you know, it may not be, you might not always be able to give them what they want. If they want the candy bar in the middle of Target, all right. But, okay, hey, you know, I see you're really angry right now. And we're going to finish shopping and I've got goldfish in the car for you. Or an apple. Or, you know, they, if it's hungry they want, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, no, you can't have this. Or... Not even no, just, hey, we're going to do this. And then we've got this for you. Make it kind of anticipating and, you know, the positive. This is what I can offer you instead, instead of the word no. I think just too often, again, we're back to that negative connotation and the no and the stop and the don't. Give them choices. Give them what they can have. Mm -hmm. You know, in the car, I've got goldfish or an apple and you can pick one when we get there. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, But I think that's number one. And I think another one, especially in society, is just spend time with your kid. Put the devices down, Mm. which I am guilty of as well. um, And just Mm -hmm. get on the floor and play with them. Mm -hmm. Figure out what they're into. Um, If it's LOL dolls or anime or, you know, even video games, just some kids just like the parents to sit down and watch them play a video game. Or if you're not into watching them play the video game, have them say, tell me the story of your video game. What's the story or the purpose? And then get into a conversation with them about things that they're into. I remember when my oldest son, who's now in college was, I don't know, maybe he was 15 or something. I I don't remember exactly, but he was like a middle teenager and he loves to play this game. And I don't even remember the game, the name of the game, Mm -hmm. but it was like this old time. It was like sepia toned, almost like, you know, that kind of black and whitish sort of look to the game. And it was like war style looking. Everything was like broken and bombed out and stuff like that. And I was curious because it was so different. It wasn't colorful and like a cartoon and everything. And I, I remember just kind of casually asking him one evening what it was he liked about that game because he, for a while, he played it a lot until the next thing, you know, took his attention. But I just kind of asked him, what's, 
what do you like about that game? I, I know you, you play it a lot. And he just like the floodgates open and he was so excited to tell me what was so cool about this game. And I found out in that evening, I think we talked for over an hour about this game, just from one simple question. Mm -hmm. And he wound ended up telling me how much he loved the story. And like when these game developers create these games, it's not like Pac-Man of, of, my day it was more like there's this whole backstory and there's these characters these developed characters and they're on these different missions to figure out this that and the other and solve some problem or accomplish something and it's just so complex this inner world in this game and i i was just amazed and i it really gave me a window into his world and thinking wow, I can see how this can really uh, capture your imagination, why it's so fun to play it. It's not Absolutely. just, you know, mindless, you know, pressing mm-hmm. buttons. It's it's like this whole fantasy world. Yes. And just taking an interest in the things that your child is interested yes. in. Just being willing to reach out and say, hey, tell me about, you know, your LOL doll or your anime story or, Yeah. And, you know, it reminds me also of a client that I worked with who had a young daughter. I think she was four at the time. And she, the mom had lamented to me during one of our sessions that the girl always wanted her to play Barbies or dolls or whatever it was. And the mom didn't really enjoy it because she said when they played, when she would sit down to play with her, they would always end up in an argument and the, uh, the daughter would be angry with her and upset with her. And once we peeled back a few more layers and got some more information about it, what I think was happening with the little girl is that she wanted to control the narrative of the game with the, with the characters and the acting out. And the mom, you know, the daughter was say, well, we're going to go over here and we're going to get ice cream or something. And the mom would say, well, why don't we instead go swing at the park? And the daughter would get upset because the mom was messing up her, her story that she was trying to create. So once I helped the mom to understand that, then they, she learned how to sit with her daughter and she understood that she was not so much of an equal playmate as much as she was kind of like, the puppeteer of that doll. Like she was just assisting her daughter to act out her imagination. She didn't need to add any suggestions. All Mm -hmm. she had to do was put the doll where the daughter wanted it to go. And then the daughter was able to make her idea come to life. And then they had so much fun after that playing dolls. Exactly. Be willing to let your child take the lead Mm -hmm. and, and take your cues from them. They've, their brains are so creative and imaginative. Full of ideas. Um, one technique that I use, like I'll be doing a puppet show with a kid in a session and I'll just, I'll use a whisper technique, you know, what should I say next? Or where like do you that. want me to go? Yeah. Um, and then I distinguish that from like the voice of my character or yeah, just to kind of distinguish between the two. That's really beautiful. And I think it's so valuable because in a kid's life, so much of their day is spent listening to adults Mm -hmm. from their parents to their teacher, to their coach, whomever. 
and they're just constantly needing to follow rules and do the next thing. And so that or that imaginative, unstructured free yeah. time is just such a gift for their their bursting minds. They're like you said, they're so Absolutely. active, and it's so important in their development to allow them to develop the you know the creativity and even the verbal skills and cooperation and sharing and all that stuff goes along with that. We may think of it as just unstructured play, but it's so important to what they develop and what they learn. So, so true. Well, it sounds like what you do with kids is so valuable and families and really helps families to make forge deeper connections for parents to understand their kids better, to help them with whatever challenges they're facing and really just be, be a great person, support person in their kids' lives. Thank you. I, I find a lot of rewarding things in the work that I do. Yes, I can see why, because it is very valuable and rewarding. So I think that you had something you were going to offer my listeners, yes, right? I have a freebie, six ways that you can help kids cope with big emotions. Ooh. And it's a butterfly beginnings counseling slash coping. And you can sign up for that. And we'd love to help you guys out. And I will post the link to that in the show notes so that anyone who wants to help their kiddos with their big emotions, they can grab it and get started right away because kids do have big emotions and knowing how to support them through that is a super valuable gift. Yes. It will definitely improve your relationship with your kids immensely. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for spending this time with me and my listeners. And if they want to connect with you, how can they find you? Yeah, you can reach me at the, my website, butterflybeginningscounseling.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again for sharing all this wonderful information. And I know people are going to be really excited to maybe greet their kids when they get home today and maybe see them through a different lens and have a different idea of how they might want to spend their afternoon. I hope so. Thank you for having me. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Wherever you are in this world, I hope that you make it a very playful day. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to Aaron at Aaron-Taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.